from DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, this is the Super Flex Super Show. Your main source for strategy, speculation, player values, and all things Super Flex. With innovative strategies like QBX and the Super Flex Flywheel, exercises like Tinder Flex, Super Six, You're Nuts, and next week this week, the Super Show's Super Friends never lack the content you need to help you draft and manage your roster in the fastest-growing fantasy football format, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Enjoy your DLF podcast and stay sexy and super flexy. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition, the week one edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Matt Price and Ryan McDowell. Fellas, real football has happened. Kicked off on Thursday night. That game was a lot of fun. We'll get to that, of course. But first, let's talk to Ryan. Jeez, we've been waiting so long and, you know... Ryan, I had a hard time watching football on Sunday, not so much on Thursday, but specifically on Sunday, because there were a lot of disappointments, you know, fantasy-wise, you look at your scores, and you, there were certainly some things to get excited about, but there were too many big names that really disappointed. Oh, for sure. I mean, we we know this, we know this happens every year. We spend six months telling ourselves we've got it all figured out, we know exactly who the plays are who the targets are, who, who do we want to buy and sell, and then week one just, just throws it all uh, out, of, out of whack uh, pretty quickly, usually. So, you know, now we, now we readjust. Yeah, we adjust, Matt, and that's what we need to talk about because there is going to be some over-adjustments made at this point in the season when, when we only have one data point to look at. People will go, go maybe skew too far to the left or to the right when trying to figure out the value of some of these players coming off of week one. Yeah, I think so, but I, I always say, like, you need to – if you don't want to overreact, that's fine, but you have to react in somewhat. And, you know, not doing anything is, is, is sort of a reaction, you know, depending on the level of player we're talking about. But, uh, you know, the, the thing, we know that things change pretty quick around here, right? So you've got you've to do something. You have to make some kind of decision about how you feel about these players after week one. In some of those cases, it, it warrants it. Like, this is the new normal. Uh, in some cases, you know, maybe you're a little less confident in a lower-level type player. But uh, you've got to do something. Yeah, that's good advice. That's something we'll get to for sure throughout the episode. There are a lot of things to at least uh, determine what you think of what happened on Monday, or excuse me, on Sunday uh, afternoon and and, uh, even on Thursday night. We might as well start there, guys. We're going to go game by game, react to what happened, the most important thing that we saw in each game from a dynasty perspective. And that game on Thursday night, fellas, was a lot of fun to watch. A heck of a way to kick off the ceiling. Of course, the Buccaneers come out on top, 31-29. to Tom Brady, the four touchdowns, just under 400 yards, and... Gronk caught two touchdowns. Antonio Brown caught a deep ball for a score. Chris Godwin got in the end zone and nearly did a second time. And on the other side, Dak threw for 400. And and Cooper went for 139 and two scores. Lamb got into the end zone. There was a lot of things to get excited about. But Ryan, uh, from the Cowboys perspective, there was one thing that there might be a lot of overreaction uh, that's happening in the dynasty community right now. For sure, it's it's Zeke Elliott, and and no matter how great uh, the the performances from the quarterbacks and and the wide receivers were, it seemed like a lot of that talk uh, after Thursday was about Zeke and and just what to do with him. And it, I think the immediate reaction was major panic. We're worried he's washed. You know, I saw a lot of comments like that. Uh, and then I think kind of. You know, we took a while. Cooler heads cool. prevail. Yes, right? exactly. Cooler <laughs> heads prevail. Thank you. Um, and we realized, okay, we're still talking about one of the best defenses in the league. Um, and, and that was basically, I mean, you could almost tell that that was the game plan, that he was not going to be heavily involved 
uh, in that offense in the way that we're so used to seeing him. So I'm not panicking on Zeke. I'm certainly not selling him low. I don't think at least anybody in, in really competitive leagues is going to be selling him low either. Uh, if, you know, if you're listening to this and you think you can buy Zeke for a first rounder, absolutely do that. Uh, if, if you're planning to contend this year, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about that stat line quite yet. Yeah, that stat line came ended up at 11 carries for 33 yards and just two catches for six yards. Really, if you watch the game, though, it, there wasn't a whole lot of space for him to – not a lot of opportunity. That Buccaneers front is so good and, and just clogged everything up. It, it was apparent that the Cowboys went into that ball game thinking we're going to need to air it out to, to stick stick with Tom Brady and, and Gronk and Brown and Godwin and – and uh, even Mike Evans, it was it was a shootout from the from the get go, really. Now, Matt, on the other side of things, there was some expectations when it came into it, at least in the fantasy community, that Gio Bernard would be involved in the offense throughout the preseason. Whenever the first team offense was on the field, it was Gio trotting out there on third down. That didn't really play out. Just two catches in the game, no carries. 12 total yards, and those came right at the end of the game when Tampa Bay was trying to score that final field goal to win the ball game. So when it comes to Geo, we certainly can't put him in our lineup, but how are we re- reacting to Bernard moving forward? I just think in general we were probably avoiding all of these guys. You know, we, we talked to death about how Geo was going to be the new James White for Tom Brady, but it's, it's maybe it's not the same offense. I do think you have to look at how these teams were playing. You know, it's, it was clearly the run game was not working for either of them. We mentioned Tampa Bay's defense number one in the league last year in terms of rushing yards allowed, but, you know, Dallas only allowed 52 rushing yards in this game. Uh, so it was just a, an air attack, and you would think that would play into Geo's skill set, right? But uh, just uh, 26% of the snaps, like you mentioned, 12 yards, zero carries, only three targets. Fournette came in at 65% of the snaps. And then Jones, he was benched after, you know, just just six six snaps after that fumble. He he seemed like he was pretty much done for. So uh, I think you want pieces of this passing offense for teams that are competing. You know, these are all, other, other than uh, um, Chris Godwin, these are all older pieces. So they're probably more for teams that are looking to win this year. Uh, but we, we talked about Antonio Brown, too, and, and he came out and he seems like he is the wide receiver one for this team. Maybe not necessarily in terms of the target volume, uh, but uh, this, this is a passing offense, and we don't want any of these running backs, I don't think, at least through week one. The one other thing I would say, though, about Gio, remember he was coming off of that high ankle sprain. So, uh, you know, maybe that had a little bit to do with it. So just a situation to monitor, but I don't think we can put anybody in for week two. Yeah, it doesn't look that way at this point, Matt, because even if we were confident in a matchup, which we probably will be next week again against Atlanta on Sunday afternoon, you probably want to play a Buccaneers running back because game script would probably tell you that Tampa Bay will be ahead in that game. They'll be handing off in the second half. The problem, though, Ryan, is we don't know exactly who's going to get the ball right there. Most likely it's Fournette if Rojo is still in the doghouse a week from now, but nobody would be surprised if they're mixing it up with a different back in, uh, in against Atlanta on Sunday. No, not really. I mean, I, I mostly agree with what Matt said. Uh, overall, I think this, uh, this, this three-headed monster at running back is one we can ignore. Uh, I would be worried if I was counting on Aaron, on, uh, I'm sorry, on Ronald Jones. Um, we'll get to Aaron. We'll get, we'll get there. <laughs> I might be worried about him too, but um yeah, if you were putting Ronald Jones into your lineup or, or even considering him as, you know, as maybe one of your top backup running backs, I would be concerned about that. But really, I'd say the same thing about about Fournette and Geo. Um, just echoing what Matt said there. Yeah, the last thing we should mention, uh, Michael Gallup looks to be out for a little bit after the injury. He did look good in the first half, uh, four catches for 36 yards on seven targets. It was Cedric Wilson that came in in the second half and filled that spot, uh, three for 24 on three targets, Ryan. He's a guy that we should be looking at the waiver wire for. Yeah, he's performed well in this in this similar situation when uh, one of those top three guys has been out, did the same thing last year, and, and was kind of a hot waiver wire ad for uh, for a few weeks, and I, I expect it'll be the same thing. Obviously, Dallas is going to uh, throw the ball a ton, no matter who the opponent is. 
The next game we need to touch on, fellas, is the Philadelphia Eagles. Trounce in the Falcons, 32-6. Jalen Hurts was the story, 264 and 3 through the air. Also added 62 rushing yards. So a big-time fantasy game for him. That first catch of Devonta Smith's career went for a touchdown. He ends with six catches for 71 yards. So... Everything from a Philadelphia perspective looked pretty good, guys. Miles Sanders was the number one tailback, 15 carries for 74 yards. Gainwell was the one that mixed in a little bit, nine carries for 37, and got a couple opportunities inside the five-yard line. So that'll be something worth watching. Both running backs also caught some passes uh, through the air as well. Sanders four for 39 and Gainwell two for six. The story real, really here, Matt, is probably on the other side of things because Atlanta got things going early in this ball game. They had two long drives, both ended in field goals, scoring six points early and then not touching that scoreboard again. And it was Ridley who caught three passes, I believe, on the first drive of the game, ends four catches for 44 yards in the game. Kyle Pitts, another guy that dynasty managers were watching very closely, just four catches for 31 yards, had a little trouble along the sideline a couple times, only getting one foot in once, and then overly worried about the sideline the other time. What's your takeaways from this Atlanta offense, Matt? Because although we expect them to struggle as a whole, there are some big-time fantasy assets on this roster. Yeah, I think we just have to chalk this up to, uh, you know, it's a, it's a brand new offense. So we didn't see much of this, this team together at all in the preseason uh, as far as the starters on the field at the same time. We saw literally one Kyle Pitts target, you know. So uh, I'm not I'm not going to panic. I know there's going to be people out there say, see, you shouldn't have spent so much on Pitts uh, in both rookie drafts and trades, whatever it is. But he tri- tied for the lead with Ridley and targets with eight. Uh, both of them got that. They just weren't, uh, they just weren't productive targets for us. So uh, we're getting the volume that we want to see out of these players no other receiver uh wide receiver excuse me got more than two targets gage got two uh zacchaeus got two uh so we're we're not worried about the volume for these two it's just this offense needs to come together i'm not panicking these are still players that i want on my on on pretty much all dynasty teams whether i'm competing or not ryan um mike davis had 15 carries for 49 yards caught three passes for 23 yards but that second running back was Cordero Patterson, who carried the ball seven times for 54 yards and uh, also involved in the passing game a little bit, two catches for 13. So when it comes to this running back group, uh, we've talked about Davis, that he, he's that RB2 that we were hoping we'd have um, on, a, on a bad team, really. It seemed like they were splitting that work a little bit today. Yeah, they certainly were. That's obviously bad news for Davis. I know I know you've told our listeners to avoid him or uh, not to count on him um, very early, but that's looking like good advice uh, because it was Patterson who basically served as the as the RB2. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, all offseason because there were maybe concerns about relying on, on Mike Davis that Dynasty managers were were chasing Quadre Allison or or Wayne Gallman after he signed. Gallman was a healthy scratch. Allison is is obviously gone now, a free agent, and it was it was Patterson who played a role. Uh, I think he's a waiver wire ad if he's still out there. And um, I know in many on many sites he's still listed as a wide receiver. Uh, so we'll see if that switches in the in the upcoming days. The last takeaway from this game is probably Matt Ryan, fellas. Just 164 yards on 21 of 23 passing, no touchdowns, no interceptions. That that opening game debut for Arthur Smith and that offensive coaching staff did not look all that good. Let's move on now to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They beat the the Buffalo Bills 23-16 to in a game that really swung on a block punt and, and returned for a touchdown. For the Steelers in the first half, it looked like that Bills offense was was just getting enough going and the defense was so good, just suffocating that Steelers offense. It felt to me, I don't know what you guys think, like maybe the Bills were going to run away with that game early on, but, but the Steelers defense was equally as good. Offensively, not so good. However, Deontay Johnson led the receiving group five catches for 36 yards and luckily got that score on 10 targets. And, and another big name from, from rookie drafts, Najee Harris, 16 carries, uh, Ryan, for tw- 45 yards and just one catch in the ballgame for four. Are we pushing any kind of panic button when it comes to Najee Harris? 
We are nearing our hand to the panic button on Najee Harris. <laughs> I like that. And we're, I like that. We're, we're looking at the panic button. Um, okay. Harris has been a huge story this offseason. Uh, ascended to the 101 in most rookie drafts because of that landing spot and because of his draft capital. Um, and it, it automatically became a, a question of what's going to win out, the workload or, uh, or, or this terrible – Pittsburgh offensive line, which which matters more, and most of us concluded that the workload, the the, the amount of carries and touches that uh, that Harris would see, would basically matter more than how how poor the offensive line was, and that just was not the case today. He averaged less than three yards per carry, didn't get heavily involved in the um, in the passing game despite Pittsburgh trailing early. So yeah, definitely not giving up on Harris after one week, but um, but starting to be a little worried, I would say. Yeah, a little bit worried. At least enough to throw up a a pink flag. Maybe not a red flag, but it but it's definitely getting getting to that shade. The, I mentioned those wide receivers guys. Juju Smith Schuster four for fifty two. Chase Claypool saved his day really with a twenty five year old or a twenty five yard run around the end, but just three for forty five through the air had a really nice catch, leaping catch over a defender that uh, went for like 20, 20 25 yards. It that was a big play and showed off his his big playability once again. But Ben Roethlisberger was under pressure the entire game. No time for for routes to develop down the field. Just 188 yards. The one touchdown pass, as I mentioned, to Deontay Johnson. No picks. Sacked a couple times. Just hurried the entire game. It was ugly. From a Buffalo standpoint, fellas, uh... A lot of the same, really. Josh Allen got his 270 yards and a touchdown. Also had 44 rushing yards, so it kind of saved his day fantasy-wise. But Stephon Diggs, 9 for 69. Just 69 yards on 9 catches. 14 targets for him. Of course, we don't count on the running back, so nobody was starting Devin Singletary, although he was the only guy there. 11 carries, 72 yards. The rest of the receivers kind of wishy-washy, except Matt Cole Beasley. He caught eight balls for 60 yards, was definitely involved with his 13 targets. Yeah, and I think he's a way to cheaply invest in this offense with Josh Allen. You know, it's one week. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, but previous to this season, he was a career 56% passer, and you know he's under 60% again today. Uh, not going to be facing that same pass rush every single week, but Beasley is going to be a high-volume guy, I think, in this offense, and you can get him for basically a third-round pick. Most leagues, uh, just looking at the trade finder in a one-quarterback league, Ben Roethlisberger straight up, a third and fourth round pick uh, in a super flex league for Cole Beasley, Mark Ingram for Cole Beasley. So he's he's a cheap way to get uh, access to double digit targets some week. So something I'm looking at uh, if I am hurting a little bit on my back end wide receiver, even if it's just a depth piece ad, somebody that's going to you know potentially pull you out of a loss uh, on a bye week or inju- injury situation. So uh, if I want access to this offense, I think it's through Cole Beasley at this point. Yeah, I don't hate that for sure. He certainly was involved in that offense. It felt to me, fellas, like like that Buffalo offense is going to see better days. Josh Allen looked good, even though he was under pressure, and even though that that secondary for Pittsburgh was playing those guys so tough. Uh, lots of bump and rug coverage, lots of physical play on those uh, those three wide receivers, along with the tight ends. And speaking of the tight ends. Ryan, you uh, you shook your head at one of those tight ends in Pittsburgh on, on Sunday as well. Yeah, I mean, Eric Ebron, the veteran there, and, and obviously his days were kind of numbered when Pittsburgh used, used that day two pick on Pat Fryermuth. Um, on, on my other podcast, Locked on Dynasty with Matt Williamson, who covers the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, very closely, I asked him last week, how long do we have to wait for Pat Fryermuth to to actually be a, a, a real part of this offense. And he said, I, I think he I think he starts and sees more work uh, over Ebron basically from day one. And uh, that's that's pretty much what we saw, that the, the snaps were basically spit, split, uh, 29 for Fryermuth, 27 for Ebron. Um, but if you're picking between one of those, obviously you're, you're taking Fryermuth and um, 
we're talking about the fourth or fifth option on this offense anyway. So I just can't imagine ever starting Eric Ebron this, this year. If you're in a shallow dynasty league, he can go right now. Uh, and even if you're in a deeper dynasty league, you know, you can't trade him. He, he's just, he's a roster clogger at this point. Yeah. Roster clogger. Indeed. Fryermuth with that one catch for 24 yards, his only target in the game. Ebron had two targets, one catch for 19 yards. The the weird thing about that is they they weren't always on the field together either. It wasn't like Fryermuth was just coming on in two tight end sets. He was the lone tight end on the field multiple times I noticed in the game. So it seems like a timeshare at tight end for that for those two Steelers uh tight ends. Fryermuth did have the nice catch though. He he got up that seam. That that looked like a nice play to me. Showed a little bit of his upside. The Vikings and Bengals squared off and went to overtime in Cincinnati on Sunday and the Bengals came out on top 27 to 24. Joe Mixon was really the story here. 29 carries guys for 127 yards and a touchdown. Samaj P. Ryan just five carries. So nobody else mixing in right there. Mixon also added four catches for 23 yards. The story really though is probably Jamar Chase. Looked really good. Five for 101 and a score on seven targets. His big touchdown. Uh, that, that corner was giving him like 15, 18 yards and he just blew right by him that's exactly what we want to see all those comparisons to to last year with Justin Jefferson his breakout with the Vikings those were the kind of things that Jefferson was doing just sneaky speed getting over the top and making the big play and that's exactly what Jamar Chase did so Ryan we we all worried about the drops or at least that was what was portrayed in the media with Jamar Chase. And and there were concerns with Joe Burrow and coming off the injury and the they didn't really address the offensive line. I got to say, as far as I watched a lot of this game, most of this game, I would say, and that Bengals offense didn't look too bad to me. No, I thought they looked great. Um, I mean, the Vikings defense was terrible last year, honestly, but really – it looked like they had revamped that that whole defensive unit and, and that they would be competitive. And Cincinnati pretty much did whatever they wanted, especially Jamar Chase. Uh, as soon as he was drafted, people were calling him the, the Bengals wide receiver one ahead of T. Higgins, ahead of uh, Tyler Boyd. And, and then that, that kind of changed uh, throughout training camp due to those struggles you were talking about. Uh, but here um, in in week one, he leads the Bengals in targets and catches and yards. He gets the touchdown and he leads those wide receivers in snaps as well, uh, playing 62 snaps. T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, 51 snaps each. So, yeah, I'm, both of those guys I still like. I like this entire offense, but Chase is the wide receiver one. Yeah, Higgins went four for 58 and a touchdown of his own, but Tyler Boyd just three catches for 32 yards. There are some question marks for sure there. On the other side of things, with the Vikings, Kirk Cousins playing from behind for most of the game, 351 yards, two touchdown passes to Adam Thielen, who caught nine overall in the game. Justin Jefferson caught five for 71 on nine targets. And then Dalvin Cook, guys, he dominated that backfield. Ryan, 20 carries, 61 yards, and a score. Also added six catches for 43 yards. But we did not see much of Alexander Madison. Uh, Just one carry in the game for two yards and also added a catch for four more yards. That is not really what we want to see as a uh, Alexander Madison manager. We're, we're not we're not going to see any standalone value here. That's exactly what I was going to say. No standalone value with Madison, uh, and unless Cook gets injured, there's there's nothing to see here. He was outproduced. Uh, Madison, that is, was outproduced by the other backup, Amir Abdullah. And even over the past couple of years, when Cook has missed, Madison has not really taken advantage of that opportunity. He's been a, a guy I've always uh, tried to grab in dynasty leagues. I think I'm ready to give up, honestly. If I can get a, a a third rounder, maybe a couple third rounders, that's probably pie in the sky at this point from the Dalvin Cook manager. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, it feels like it's hard. That's a hard thing to do to get to to trade him right now for a third round pick. Feels like he should be holding out for the opportunity and get a little bit more than that. We it, it's definitely going to take a Dalvin Cook injury. As far as those pass catchers, guys, one really interesting point from this game, Thielen, the nine catches for 92 on 10 targets. Jefferson had his nine targets. 
K.J. Osborne mm. played the role of that third wide receiver for Minnesota. He was on the field a lot. Lots of underneath routes, seven catches for 76 yards on nine targets. Very involved with this Irv Smith Jr. injury. They needed somebody in the middle of the field. And, you know, maybe it's a few more three wide receiver sets than we expected. It's not like they didn't use a tight end. Tyler Conklin was on the field, caught all four of his targets for 41 yards. Might be a guy to consider on the waiver wire as well. But K.J. Osborne might be a priority add this week if you need some depth at wide receiver. Matt, if you had any takeaways from this game, what would they be? I, I have none. You guys covered basically all, all of them. <laughs> okay. uh, the, I just all made right. a joke about the stripes. Let's, let's move on. Oh yeah, you didn't you didn't like the uh, the jerseys? No, no, no. I was talking about the how, how the last week there was that article about how Jamar Chase couldn't catch the ball because he couldn't oh, see yeah, stripes on the football. Yeah, okay. But it seemed seemed yeah, like I it thought maybe out, that was that was a shot at the new jerseys for the <laughs> Bengals. But you know that that whole stripes on the balls thing. He tweeted about that and said, "No, no, no. That's not that not how yeah. how it went." I said I dropped a few balls, and then they asked me what the difference is between the ball now and the ball last year, and he he mentioned their stripes on so it. So ridiculous. So what a joke. It's uh, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, the 49ers, speaking of ridiculous, the 49ers Ooh. were up big in the fourth quarter and ended up having to stop the Lions inside the 30 on the last play of the game. They went 41 to 33. Garoppolo threw a touchdown. Uh, but the story was, was really these, these running backs. It has to be, at least for me, this, this story is nuts, uh, Matt, we were talking about it before we came on the air. There, nobody really knew what was going to happen with the San Francisco um, backfield, but really we should have. It's it's always chaotic. We never really know what's going to happen. And what do you know? Elijah Mitchell leads the backfield because of a, a, a Sunday morning inactive and an injury to a guy that's always injured. He carries it 19 times for 104 yards and a touchdown, did not have a target in the game, but that helps nobody in fantasy. Yeah, and you know, we 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 should see this from Shanahan. We 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 saw him call call uh, Trent Sermon the fourth running back on the roster. There's some talk about Elijah Mitchell was was active because he plays special teams, and and Sermon maybe doesn't. Uh, so we, I, I knew we would be going deep. I knew we'd be going to the running back three and four on this team. Even Hasty got involved, but I didn't think it would be this early in week one. Uh, so it's just going to be more of the same with these running backs. And then the pass catchers feel the same. Uh, you know, Debo Samuel had this huge game, 12 targets, nine catches, 194 yards, and a touchdown. Ayuk basically invisible. Uh, he was actually not even the second wide receiver on the field. Trent Sherfield was the first one on in two wide receiver sets. He only had three targets, but he did have a touchdown. And then Mohamed Sanu came on and played. Uh, slightly ahead of, of Brandon Ayuk too. So, you know, maybe it's this hamstring injury, uh, but this is, is certainly concerning. And one of the reasons why we talked about maybe Ayuk's ADP was, was getting a little bit too high. And it's, a, it's, it's one week, but, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily seem like he is going to lead this team in targets. Uh, you know, certainly not every week and maybe not even for the season. Kittle himself only got five targets. You have to think that's going to change uh, week to week as well. So uh, it's going to be a hot hand with both the running backs and the wide receivers, it seems. The thing about Debo was that that those those targets were all over the field. Yeah. He was the tunnel screen guy. He was the quick pass guy, the slant guy, the deep ball guy. He was all over the field, and we didn't see any of those other names. You even mentioned Sanu and Sherfield, who caught the touchdown, and, and Kittle even to some extent. They didn't even feel like they were on the field. It was all Debo Samuel and uh, Elijah Mitchell after the Mostert injury. So I just don't know, Ryan, how we project this moving forward. It feels like the same old, same old when it comes to the 49ers. You can't trust anybody. You can't trust the quarterback because Lance comes on the field and he throws the touchdown, came into the game later and nearly ran in uh, or had an opportunity to run in a touchdown from inside the five. So that shoots down Garoppolo's value. The the running backs all work against each other mm -hmm. fantasy-wise. The wide receivers now, it feels the same way. So what do we do now, Ryan? Well, it, it does feel a little like those those old Patriots teams, for sure, uh, in, in that way. Uh, I mean, I think the Ayuk thing is is really the story here because, uh, I mean, there was a point this offseason where he was, he was the top uh, 49er being drafted in dynasty drafts, certainly far ahead of Debo Samuel and uh, ahead of even George Kittle. Uh, I, I think, I believe Ayuk got up to the, the third round in some of those – 
uh, mock draft some of that ADP that we collect all off season long. And, and now he gets zero targets and, you know, we've, we've seen this before, right? There's been, there's been a young wide receiver who flashed as a rookie for San Francisco and we were given hints all off season that year that, uh, that we should not be relying on that guy, that we should not be valuing that, that guy quite as highly as we did. That was Dante Pettis. And we know how that went. Uh, that, that 49ers coaching staff saw what they saw and, and he was never really a factor again. Now I think Ayuk is in, in a different category than that. I think he's more talented. They've invested more into him, but in that preseason game a couple weeks ago, we saw Ayuk and, and Trent Sherfield. Uh, rotate in and out of the game and, and share snaps, and we did nothing. Like there was, there was seemingly no reaction from the dynasty community or really the fantasy community in general to that. And and, and now this is where we are, acting shock, shocked when really we shouldn't be. From the other side of the coin, Jared Goff, three hundred thirty-eight yards and three touchdowns. So if we, anybody's forced to use him in superflex, that went well against a good defense. DeAndre Swift, 11 carries, 39 yards, and caught a screen pass and took it to the house. Eight for 65 through the air. Jamal Williams, who we saw that Sunday morning report that he was going to be featured. He'd be the starter. He had nine carries for 54 and a score. Also caught eight passes as well. So I I just don't know what to – I guess if you had to start a Detroit Lion, it was probably TJ Hawkinson or Swift. And both of them came through because Hawk had eight catches for 97 and a touchdown. But, you know, overall, I think the main takeaway from this is a reminder that Sunday morning reports aren't always all that dependable. There were people taking DeAndre Swift out of lineups and he was just fine against a good defense. Yeah, the ones from the ones from NFL Network are not reliable. Exactly. I, yeah, <laughs> at least that far. I, I think uh, I mean, I think what we saw with the Lions against San Francisco is, is what we're going to see all year. They're they're a bad team. They're going to play from behind and and they're going to put up some garbage time numbers. Yeah, they're they're uh, that's all they did in this game. And that'll be just fine for fantasy, especially if it's Hawkinson and Swift that are picking them up. And that's what happened. On Sunday, the Seahawks beat the Colts 28-16. to Russell Wilson was a stud, 254 and four scores. Chris Carson was his regular powerful self, 91 yard, yards, did not get into the end zone. However, Lockett caught two touchdowns, had a 100-yard game. Metcalf got in the end zone as well. So, Ryan, this, this offense looks like it's purring right along, right at the beginning of the season, looked just fine to me. Yeah, yeah, it looked, looked great to me. New offensive coordinator, um... You know, I'm not so worried about week one, week four, week eight for Russell Wilson. I'm worried about week nine and on because it's that second half of the of the year that uh, they they tend to slow down and struggle. So, uh, no no surprise here that that Russ and Lockett and, and DK were on top of their game. The biggest thing in the game that happened for me was Jonathan Taylor. Wentz had 251 yards and two scores. All right, Taylor just 17 carries for 56 yards. But it was seven targets through the passing game. Opportunities in the red zone to catch the football as well. Nearly scored in the first quarter on a screen pass that usually goes to Naheem Hines. Jonathan Taylor ends up with six catches for 60 yards to save his fantasy day. On the other side of things, Hines was just fine, Matt. He was involved. He was. Uh, nine carries, eight targets. He just signed a big contract. I think it makes him the highest paid non-starting running back in the league. So they're, they're, they, they've they they're committed to him. They're going to use him. Um, so, you know, I think he's a flex play. Is, is, it, is it too strong to say almost every single week with the way these wide receivers have performed, uh, at least today? So, uh, Hines, I, 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 if you can pick him up cheap, I, I definitely like that. On the other side, Rashad Penny, again, you guys. I mean, two carries, out with a calf injury. Like it, I, 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 was, I was buying back in this year. I was like, ah, a third-round pick, sure. Uh, Whoops. Yeah, did, did, didn't work out. That's your own uh, fault. And, <laughs> it is, it is, but, you know, it has to have, he has to be healthy at some point. I mean, doesn't he? I guess not. Uh, so now we're looking at uh, DJ Dallas from last year, a talented receiving back, uh, and perhaps even uh, the ghost of Alec- Alex Collins coming back, uh, who had fantasy value at one point so many years ago, uh, as as Chris Carson's probably a direct backup. Um, you know, maybe those are waiver wire ads this week, if, if you're into that. 
So Taylor and Hines leads the team in targets with seven and eight, respectively. After that, when you look at the wide receivers, Pittman was a disappointment. Three catches for 29 yards on four targets. It was Zach Pascal that had had four catches for 43 yards and hit Pater twice. So he should be rostered everywhere. Let's move on to the Cardinals and the Titans. Cardinals come out on top, 38-13. The Titans, if it weren't for the Packers, guys, the Titans offense was the most disappointing in week one, at least this far into week one. Kyler Murray just tore him apart. 289, four touchdowns, did throw an interception, but added a rushing touchdown. Going to be one of the top scorers at the position this week. DeAndre Hopkins was a magician in the first half. That catch in the back of the end zone was sick. Six catches, 83, and two scores. Christian Kirk, what the hell? Two touchdowns for Christian Kirk? Give me a break. This It's, it's messy in the, with this wide receiver group outside of DeAndre Hopkins. Really, the whole team outside of Murray and Hopkins, Ryan, we don't know what to expect week to week. We're plugging those two guys in. Everybody else might be a dice roll moving forward. Yeah, that's how it's going to be. Um, A.J. Green played 54 snaps, 37 for Christian Kirk, uh, despite that big stat line, uh, just 20 for the rookie Rondell Moore. Uh, I would expect uh, Green's work to go down, Rondell Moore's to increase, and basically those three guys to to kind of be interchangeable. Uh, It's going to be tough to rely on any of those three. And it's probably the same for the running backs, Matt, really. Yeah, it's uh, basically a direct split. Connor out, out carried Edmonds sixteen to twelve, but Edmonds got four targets and Connor got zero. So you know it's 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 uh, just a straight down the middle committee. It looks like Connor probably has a little bit more touchdown up, upside. Edmonds probably has a little bit more PPR upside. Um, but both these guys are you know in the in the flex range it seems every single week. Uh, but with the offense uh, humming like it was today, then that that's going to have some value for us at least in in some weeks. I mentioned that the Titans were probably one of the biggest disappointments of the week. Ryan Tannehill, just 212 yards, did throw a touchdown and had a rushing score. So it saves his day, but wasn't all that impressive. Speaking of not impressive, Derrick Henry, 17 carries for 58 yards, added three catches, but whatever. Julio... He was whatever, too. Three for 29 and didn't look good running routes. He was covered like a blanket on those like deep crossers that we got used to. Him just dominating with Atlanta. That was not happening. A.J. Brown caught the touchdown to save his day. The Jets, they got beat by the Panthers, 19-14. to Christian McCaffrey was his regular self. 98 yards on the ground, 9 for 89 uh, through the air. Did not find pay dirt, so not the massive game, but still proved why he's the 101 in Dynasty. Sam Darnold, on the other hand, didn't look too bad. 279 and a score. He hit Robbie Anderson on a deep ball, had a rushing touchdown as well. So the Panthers looked pretty good. It looked like the same version of the Panthers from last year, to be honest. They spread the ball around. Now the Jets, they have some young guys. Zach Wilson, I watched a lot of his throws. Looked good sometimes. Made a horrible throw on a third down on a crossing route that should have gone for a first down. Spiked it into the dirt. So a couple of those growing pains with Wilson. But showed out already. All right, 258 yards and two scores. Did throw a pick. Corey Davis, on the other hand, 5 for 97 and 2. He's the guy to own and put in your lineup in New York. Matt, what are your thoughts on the Jets? Not none, none really. It's just if there's any kind of discount on the three rookies, uh, we're talking about the quarterback Wilson, the running back Michael Carter, and the receiver Elijah Moore. You know, use use that to your advantage this week. One one catch for negative three yards, only four targets for Elijah Moore. Did drop a deep ball that would have made his day a lot better. Uh, so you know, Corey Davis is great, but I I, I, have, I have this feeling that. Once Elijah Moore is fully healthy, he did not look fully healthy to me out there today. Uh, once that does happen, I do think that script is going to flip a little bit. Uh, and Braxton Berrios, I, I don't, I don't think there's anything there. But I mean, if it's a low waiver priority and you, you need a back end wide receiver, I guess uh, the running backs were all garbage, so we might as well stick with the rookie. The Chargers beat the football team twenty to sixteen on Sunday. Justin Herbert, meh. 338 yards, one touchdown, threw a pick, really didn't come through for fantasy, was a disappointment, probably won't be, or already isn't, a quarterback one for the week. Austin Eckler, on the other hand, 15 carries for 57 and a score coming off the injury. That sounds fine. 
no targets in the passing game, that's not okay. We need those uh, targets. We need those catches for him to be a back-end running back one. It didn't happen in week one. I don't know if we have to worry all that one, all that much long-term, but it is something to watch going forward. Keenan Allen, on the other hand, nine catches, 101 yards, or 100 yards uh, on 13 targets. Mike Williams, guys, had 12 targets, eight catches for 82 and a score. The touchdown was nice. The dropped touchdown was not nice. The <laughs> dropped deep ball where he leaped for the ball, landed on his head, and I, I thought he might be badly injured, as he always is. Uh, that was not nice. So some things to work on maybe for Mike Williams. All the same things we've always expected. On the other side of things, in Washington, some big concerns. Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't return from his injury, so we have to think about that with all his targets. Taylor Henneke came in, and it was fine, 11 for 15, 122, and a score. What are your thoughts about Ryan, uh, uh, Ryan, the Ryan Fitzpatrick injury, Ryan? How is that going to affect the rest of this roster? Well, it's obviously not good. I mean, these uh, the members of this Washington offense have been targets for fantasy managers all offseason because of Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and you know, his, his style, his um, ability to throw the ball down the field. And I don't think Taylor Heineke has that. So if, if this is a, if this hip injury is serious, I, I think they said we would, we would know more early in the week. Um, maybe you already know that by the time you're listening to this, but if that, if that injury is serious, if we're talking about, um, uh, you know, a month out or, or more, maybe, I don't know, maybe the whole season out, it, it's bad news for the entire Washington offense. Speaking of the Washington offense, Matt, uh, Antonio Gibson had 20 carries for 89 yards, three catches for 18 on five targets. McKissick and, and Patterson, the backup running backs in Washington, had one target each. This is the Antonio Gibson show moving forward. Yeah, led, led the team in carries, led the team in targets. I don't know what you want more you want to see. You know, maybe McKissick is involved a little bit more uh, at somewhere down the line, but you would think that this would be a game for it, uh, back and forth, uh, uh, kind of like this, uh, uh, Washington in catch-up mode a little bit towards the end. Um, but it didn't really materialize for him this week. Uh, and McLaurin, you know, a, a little bit disappointing from a fantasy day, but he caught all four targets. Targets uh, and that catch on the sideline where he just got his head like basically 180 degrees to make that catch. One of the best catches I've ever seen. Uh, so I'm not I'm not worried about him either. Yeah, I wouldn't be either. Logan Thomas, three catches for 30 yards and a score. Last thing on Gibson, the nice thing about him, he had all the usage, looked really good. Stat line wasn't there though. Really, Fumbled. 14 fantasy points in PPR leagues. The, that might leave one last opportunity because he has that with that kind of usage, guys, he has fantasy MVP type upside and you're not going to have to pay a premium after week one. If you want to go try to try to pay enough to get him uh, on the trade market, the Texans beat the Jaguars 37 to 21. So that ruins Trevor Lawrence's debut. There was some good and some bad for him. 332 yards, three scores, but the three interceptions to me, I love the LaVisca Chenault usage. Seven catches for 50 yards. 50 yards is like, okay, but lots of short targets. We saw that Debo Samuel type role for him along along the line of scrimmage. Also had nine rush yards. I'm I'm encouraged when it comes to LaVisca Chenault. DJ Chark, three for 86 and a score. Marvin Jones scored in garbage time as well. As far as the uh, Jaguars go, Ryan, was there any real takeaways from for you? I think if you were counting on James Robinson, which a lot of people were after the Travis Etienne injury, uh, there there are concerns. You know, th- there was a lot of just uncertainty about what this offense would look like with uh, with this new coaching staff, with Urban Meyer uh, coming into the NFL from from his college days, and there's been already lots written and said about how that's going. Most of it is not good. Uh, and, and he's basically splitting that backfield between James Robinson and Carlos Hyde. Uh, it's it, it, another situation where it's going to be tough to rely on any of those guys. Carlos Hyde might be on your waiver wire. I would certainly scoop him up if he is there. On the other side of things, the Texans, Matt, the Tyrod Taylor was good, 291 mm-hmm. and two scores, added 40 rushing yards. Brandon Cooks dominated as a receiver, five catches for 132, but it was something in the running game that caught your eye. 
Yeah, I mean, Ingram dominated the, the touches, especially on the ground. 26 carries, 85 yards, and a touchdown. But Philip Lindsay was involved, eight carries and a touchdown. David Johnson, not as much as a rusher with only three, but also got four targets and, and caught a touchdown pass. So uh, I think it's going to be good luck projecting the, this this group every single week. Mark, Mark Ingram got the load this week, but I, I don't know if that's going to happen every week. So uh, I'm happy to take whatever I can get for any of these guys. If anybody wants to come calling with a third-round pick for, for Ingram, uh, I, I'm probably going to let him go for that. Yeah, I would as well. The The thing about Lindsey, he got those eight carries. A couple of those came on those jet sweep yeah. type plays, opportunities. They were around the goal line inside the five or, or maybe the 10-yard line. Um, but those were the kind of opportunities he was getting. David Johnson, on the other hand, pretty much null and void. Three carries for 10 yards. Did get uh, four targets in the passing game. Caught that touchdown. So if you had to use him, I guess he scored for you. I would not recommend using him moving forward. Uh, let's talk about our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. This is the DLF Dynasty Podcast, and we are brought to you by Monkey Knife Fight. They are the daily fantasy sports site built for the rest of us. Instead of competing against professional players, Monkey, Monkey Knife Fight is made for the average fan to have a chance at winning. Monkey Knife Fight offers the ability to play a wide variety of fantasy contests, including their popular more or less games, allowing you to simply pick if a player is going to score more or less fantasy points than the given line. In addition to the usual games for football, baseball, basketball, and hockey, you can also play contests in golf, soccer, NASCAR, UFC, esports, and more. Not only can you play these fun, unique games, but if you sign up at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, you'll get a full year of DLF Premium for free. Simply log on to our site, click on the banner image for Monkey Knife Fight, and create a new account with an initial deposit. Monkey Knife Fight will then match your deposit up to $100, and your DLF subscription will be set up automatically within 38 hours. What are you waiting for? Go sign up today. Fellas, the, one of the better games of the afternoon on Sunday was the Patriots and Dolphins. Miami sneaks out a victory 17-16 to to a tongue of Aloha. 202 yards through the air and a touchdown pass. Also threw a pick, but ran in a touchdown, um, showing some of his upside throughout the game. Jalen Waddell, a surprising to some line of four catches for 61 in a score. Nice usage for him. So, Ryan, you you watch this game, you watch Tua play, there were good there was some good, there was some bad. What was your overall thoughts of Tua Tunga Baloa? I think you've got to be pretty happy with what you saw. I know didn't put up the a massive uh stat line in the box score, but again, this was a low scoring game, a couple of defensive minded teams. I think this was just about best case scenario for Tua. Uh next week he gets back uh Will Fuller as well and uh this will certainly be one of the toughest defenses he faces. So uh, even this offseason with Ryan Fitzpatrick gone, you, you think there would be uh, it would be all positive news for Tua, but you know rumors of a, a trade for Deshaun Watson and things like that just seem to linger and, and kind of hurt um, hurt Tua's value and, and expectations. And I think we can move on from that at this point. On the other side of things, Mac Jones looked pretty good, comparatively speaking. 281 yards and a score. Didn't make the big mistake. No no bad picks or anything like that. They used the running game through Damian Harris. 23 carries for Harris for 100 yards. Also caught two passes. He seems to me, guys, like he is a trustworthy guy. A guy that we can stick in our lineup at least as a flex. The two catches, if he gets those every week, on top of some some 15 to 18 touch or, or run usage, he's going to be a RB2 for us and definitely a flex guy. From the pass-catching perspective, Matt, Nelson Aguilar, five catches for 72 and a score on seven targets. Jacoby Myers, six for 44. Do you have a feeling when it comes to these Miami pass catchers, is there somebody that you really want in your lineup? Excuse me, I said Miami. I meant I meant New England. You're muted, bud. Yeah, I want Jonu Smith and I want Jacoby Myers, and, and I think that's it for right now. James White is uh, is, is going to be nice to have in your back pocket if you need to plug him in at running back position just because of the targets. He's he's clearly going to go back to getting uh, with Mac Jones here, um, and I think those are those are really the three in Superflex leagues. We're obviously excited by Mac Jones, uh, probably not as much in one quarterback. Ryan, do you have any thoughts on the on the New England pass catchers? Uh, really, it's it's mainly what. 
we thought going in it's it's the tight ends um that's you know that's uh those are the players i would want overall though i I think this is like we thought this is going to be an offense to pretty much stay away from I, i do think they get the upgrade uh, from Mac Jones versus what we could have expected with Cam Newton, but still not super high hopes for this offense in general. Uh, the Chiefs outlasted the Browns 33-29, to 29 guys, and, man, I couldn't feel worse for Browns fans. They had that game the entire time, and then Mahomes just, just kept working his way down the field and scoring in the fourth quarter. Mahomes goes 337-3, and three, added a rushing touchdown, so he did Mahomes-like things. Tyreek was the same, 11 for 197 and 1. Kelsey, 6 for 76 and 2. So if you had a Chief outside of Clyde Edwards-Alaire who had expectations, he came through. For the, for the Browns, not so much. Mayfield wasn't all that good. 321, didn't find Paydirt uh, and threw a pick. Uh, Chubb was good, 15 for 83 and 2, caught two passes. Hunt got into the end zone in the fourth quarter, so that saved his day if you needed him. Landry was fine, five for seventy-one. Are there any takeaways from this ball game, Ryan? Uh, I mean, we saw David and Joku kind of come alive in the in the second half. He's a a player that has had a lot of hype and expectations uh, through his career from from dynasty managers, and I think now that we finally probably start to give up on him, he he pops up with a good game. I, I'm not confident that that will continue necessarily. Uh, of course. Uh, Austin Hooper there to compete with, not to mention the wide receivers. But, uh, I mean, we, we need to see what happens with, with OBJ back in this lineup. But I think what we saw from this team is pretty much what they, how they want to, to build that offense. They want it to be based around Nick Chubb. It feels that way with Kareem Hunt mixing in as well. Uh, that's what they did. Re- really, for me, the takeaway was your, your really good Chiefs are really good. Mm-hmm. Your really good Browns are probably really good, too. And there wasn't a lot else to, to really talk about in the ballgame. There was some, some maybe sleeper expectation for Donovan Peoples-Jones. He caught one pass for four yards. Landry didn't pick up the slack, really. You know, Hooper wasn't that involved. It, it, it just nobody came through for Cleveland as far as pass catchers go. Miko Hardman, nothing. Uh, Miko is he is he Deshaun Jackson? We're used to that. Is he, is though, he Deshaun Matt. Jackson? I mean, like, you know, we, you plug him in if you if you need a, a boost and, and hope that he gets that long touchdown. Otherwise, you're just this is what you're going to get: three targets. Yeah, he's, for 19 he's yards. a basketball guy. Yeah, I, I don't want him in my teams where I have to set a lineup. Uh, the Broncos, uh, pretty much handled the Giants 27 to 13. New York scores on a last second play to, I guess, make the score look better than it was. Teddy Bridgewater does what he always does. 264 and two didn't throw any picks, 19 rushing yards. Melvin Gordon had the big run to save his day. 11 for 101 and a score, uh, also caught three passes. Javante Williams, 14 carries. So got a little more usage, just 45 yards, but you have to like the 14 carries. He caught one pass for negative yardage. And then if there's a big takeaway, Ryan, for for this offense, it's probably the usage for Jerry Judy. Six catches, 72 yards on seven targets until he goes down with an injury. He missed a lot of this game, still led the team in receiving yards and catches. He looked pretty good, but we he hurt his ankle. <laughs> Yeah, I heard his ankle. Uh, I, I guess we can say it's good news at this point that it's a high ankle sprain like and it. not yeah. not a broken ankle. That was the although that's never good. Right? No, no, it, it, it's just not <laughs> as bad, right? Yeah. It's it's not quite yeah, as bad. Right. We we should see him back at some point this year, but it's it's gonna be it's gonna be six weeks. It's gonna be two months before we see Jerry Judy back in the lineup. He will certainly land on that uh, on the IR list. Uh, over the next few weeks because of that. So, uh, yeah, it, it was certainly frustrating because he, he was living up to that breakout uh, expectation. That, uh, he's, that's what we, we thought would, how his season would go, would be uh, the, the big year for Jerry Judy. And that, that's what was happening. You know, Cortland Sutton was pretty quiet in this game, uh, even after the injury. So, yeah, definitely frustrating. Uh, Javante Williams, though, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, it was good to see him actually out, out-touch Melvin Gordon. And outside of that long run, he would have outproduced him as well. 
So when it comes to the Judy injury, the question now quickly becomes, who picks up the slack? You mentioned Sutton, mm. and all the fantasy managers out there will raise their head. Wait a minute. Everybody was saying all offseason how Sutton looks so great and how he's back to his regular self and, and looks really good with Bridgewater. Well, one catch for... 14 what, yards, I believe. 14 yards on three targets will tell a different story. So maybe it's K.J. Hamler, three catches for 41. I know at least a couple of those came after the Judy injury, so there, there might be a storyline there. Matt, if there's, if there's probably a big winner out of the Judy injury, and that, that's hor- that sounds horrible to say, it might be Noah Fant who looked good. Yeah, it, it is Noah Fant. He, was, he, he led the team in targets with eight, uh, six for 62. You know, not a huge fantasy day. But the, the thing that's been holding him back in, in my eyes is that he was going to be the number three target. But he might be the number one target now with Judy out. Sutton uh, doesn't look all the way back, right? Only three targets today. Uh, Hamler certainly had a, a few nice plays as well. But Fant could be the, the leader in the, in the clubhouse now in terms of that. So uh, we might be looking at a top six kind of, kind of season for him a true breakout season for Noah Fan, uh, And I, I know the price is going to go up after this weekend, uh, but some reasonable deals, again, in the trade finder, Darnell Mooney straight up, Brandon Ayuk straight up, Sam Darnold in a super flex league. Uh, you know, so these are, these are deals that, that are out there. Um, maybe if you're, if you, if you don't have one of those elite tight, tight end options, it's worth pursuing uh, Noah Fan uh, at least for the short term. From the Giants' perspective, Saquon Barkley just 10 carries for 26 yards, three targets in the passing game, only caught one of them for one yard. Uh, Not really a lot to talk about. Sterling Shepard looked like their go-to guy, seven catches, 113 yards and a score on nine targets. Slayton also had seven targets, just three for 65 on the stat line. Galladay looked limited to me, four catches for 64 on six targets. Nothing else really to talk about there. Speaking of nothing to talk about, how about that Packers offense? That was impressive. <laughs> Holy cow. Aaron Rodgers, just 133 passing yards. He killed you in a dynasty league. Whether you're in super flex or a single quarterback, you're probably not winning the matchup if you started Aaron Rodgers. And that is ridiculous, to be honest with you. Aaron Jones, same thing. Five carries for nine yards, two for 13 through the air. A.J. Dillon had four carries, but there's no takeaways really from this Packers offense outside of the offensive line had their struggles. Rodgers was under pressure against a good defense in New Orleans, but there are major concerns here. Adams catches five for 56, so I guess that's fine. We'll see. There, I, I don't want to make any blanket statements that the offensive line needs to improve for this off, offense to really get on course, but Matt, the, <laughs> this Packers offense did not look anything like the Packers offense of 2020. No, it was it was bad. With like twelve minutes left in the last quarter, uh, Jordan Love is, is in the game, right? So you know you know if that yeah. happens, it's either going really well or really bad, and it went went real bad. Adams, you know, is still going to continue to be a safe option. Jones, I think, in most weeks, but then this Orleans, New Orleans defense is one of the best defenses in the league. You said that uh, that maybe they had a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder this week. You know, not even being able to play at home due to uh, the hurricane that happened down there, Hurricane Ida, I believe, right? Um, so. Yeah, I, there's there's no ta- takeaway from the Packers. Uh, I think you continue to start the the two or three players that you would always start, um, and, so, and hope for the best. I mean, so there's nothing to take away from the bad team in Green Bay that played in Jacksonville. <laughs> How about the good team out of New Orleans? They scored 38 points. Jameis Winston threw five touchdowns. Matt just 148 yards. I read on the broadcast that that's the lowest amount of yards since like 1948 that a quarterback has thrown for when throwing for five touchdowns. (laughs) That's pretty ridiculous. Kamara gets in the end zone on that little shovel pass, so that makes his day worthwhile, 20 carries for 83 yards. And Juwan Johnson, three catches for 21, but caught two scores. The Saints' defense is what set them up throughout this game. Jameis took advantage of short fields a couple of times and maybe took advantage of, of some poor defensive back play on his deep touchdown uh, to, to Deontay Harris. What are your takeaways when it comes to Jameis? 
I mean, he's 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 playing relatively safe. I didn't see any of those typical Jameis Winston boneheaded throws. He didn't really get too much uh, in the way of being removed from Taysom Hill. He got you know a couple of snaps here and there. Uh, so it seems like he's going to be a viable quarterback at least in, in superflex leagues. Uh, and then the other thing that that didn't happen really for New Orleans that we we all kind of thought was happened was Marquise Callaway one for fourteen on two targets. That that was kind of a bust. Troutman actually led the team in targets with six. Uh, but you know with this low volume that they didn't really need to do anything the Packers were playing so bad uh so we, we didn't really learn a whole lot I don't think from the passing uh, uh a game from New Orleans either and and, and um, Alvin Kamara who you know last year when Michael Thomas was out just just got a million uh exaggerating but Alvin Kamara like four targets I would have expected a lot more than that but maybe again it's just that they didn't really need him to to do much that's what it felt like Ryan speaking of Callaway I almost texted you and the first first passing play, I think it was Callaway catches the ball. I'm like, oh boy, yeah. here it comes. <laughs> that was it. I think he saw one other target. That, that was his only catch. Uh, <laughs> you know, there there were the the Saints have really turned into the sleeper team this off season with with Callaway moving up the ranks because of injuries and other things, and uh, Jawan Johnson and, and Tony Jones as well, and. Uh, all, all three of those guys contributed. Uh, Johnson was certainly the, the the big star with the two touchdowns. Uh, but uh, honestly, I don't think I would say the same thing about the Saints. There's there's not a ton of takeaways for that team either. Uh, they just they just got it done earlier early, and that's really all that mattered. Yeah, I'm I'm worried about Winston overall. You you mentioned that he didn't make that big mistake. He did make one really bad throw in the fourth quarter, tried to force it up the seam. It got picked off. The the play got taken away because of the roughing the passer call, but it overall Winston was a game manager in my opinion. He didn't do all that much. That throw that he uncorked to Deion, uh um to Harris, that was Deontay Harris. That was impressive. That <laughs> That was a bomb. So, and then we all know Winston has always had that. So, I'm I'm fine selling Winston based on this big game. If if somebody comes calling in a super flex league and they want to get Jameis to to put in their QB two spot, if you got the depth to do it, I'm fine doing something like that. He's still going to lose opportunities at the goal line to Taysom Hill. He he, they have the big running game. Um, so, so if Winston is, is a hot commodity on the trade market, I'd be fine moving on from him. Tony Jones Jr. Guys, he looked pretty good in his opportunities. 11 carries for 50 yards between the tackles runner pretty much fell into that Latavius, not, not fell into, but filled that Latavius Murray, uh, void. He's going to have weeks where you're going to, you're going to list him as a, a guy that finished this, the, the week as an RB one, uh, potentially even, especially if Kamara ever goes down and misses any time. I was impressed with New Orleans. They they had the best defensive day, in my opinion, along with Pittsburgh, who both played really good defense. New Orleans' defense, they, they put pressure on the quarterback. They covered like blankets. They looked pretty darn good. That was the surprise of the day for me. Uh, so that gets us through week one, fellas. There's Sunday night football coming up. There's Monday night football as well. But this is what we will do week in and week out like we always do. The biggest takeaway from a dynasty perspective for every game is every week. So for Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to the week one edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again in week two.